Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who run a four-minute 40. Chris and Case. Hey, Heidi Ho Lions fans, welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast, episode 338. This is the official Detroit Lions Podcast for Reddit, and I am your dashing host, Chris, which this week you can't see just how dashing I am, but I'm more dashing than ever before. And of course, the ever effervescent and equally or maybe even surpassingly uh, dashing co-host, Jeff the Riz Wisdom. How you doing? But you can just put an avatar of Brady Quinn up in Ooh. your mind for Ooh. me, and then we're all good. Now, you can't say that because the Slackbot's going to take over and say something about Jalen. <laughs> oh, Brady Quinn's so beautiful, and he's intertwined with Bob Quinn, and that's just wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll fix that. I have to fix that. I just took Quinn for the for the Slackbot, but there's so many other Quins in the world. My favorite was Quinn wears the thong backwards and still has adequate coverage. <laughs> All right, get some doozies in our in our Patreon Slack. It's yeah. uh, it's well it's well worth your one dollar per month investment. Absolutely, <laughs> patreoncom Lines Podcast. Today's show: Emery Hunt from CBS Sports HQ and FootballGamePlan.com is joining us. He's here with a great interview. He's going to talk about the draft. He's going to talk about a couple of players a little deeper in the draft, and he's going to talk about one of the what is like the most amazing draft guide I think I'll ever see and have ever seen. It's 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 a sharp deal. Um, we got. 40 times at the Combine. We're going to talk about that. There's some interesting stuff there. Trade scenario that you haven't thought about yet. Later round guys that could drop into the lion's lap and a whole lot more. It's a big show. It's a great show. And it's all lined up for you. Riz, are you ready to go, my man? Oh, let's do it. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right, let's get right into it. First, I want to talk about this article. I, you know, I think you've seen this guy before. You may have heard of him. Is I always, I can't quite figure out how to do his name. I think it's El Jefe Rizdone did a <laughs> um, an article over at this Lions Wire site. It's a small site. I don't know if you've heard oh, of it. I know but. that dude. <laughs> <laughs> he did this article about the salary cap situation, and let me just get to the net net. And we can go back to it. The Lions are sitting. At number six, roughly, as far as the salary cap across the NFL, we were in this achy, breaky spot before free agency started. How how we wound up here? How how do we wind up okay at the salary cap so quickly? You know, some of it is the fact that they they jettisoned some fat. They got rid of. Um, and I'm I'm not making a fat joke about Danny Shelton, but he <laughs> he, uh, I mean he he is feast mode. That's his official nickname. But uh, he, he needed to go. He, he just didn't fit for the salary that he was being paid. They did it with some other players as well. So they trimmed some fat off the roster. And not, uh, you know, Desmond Trufant, uh, Justin Coleman, these guys are no longer occupying it. They decided that the dead money was better now to absorb that than letting the the the, the salary wound fester longer into the season. So Fester. It's, and it's not your uncle. No, it is not <laughs> my uncle. Um, he, he cannot put a light bulb in his mouth and make it come on. Um, people are like, what are you guys talking about? Fester's hey. not your uncle. It sounds like an Irishism. It actually does. And Fester's not your uncle. 
got to love the atmosphere. Oh man, this is good stuff. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. So, so, so they're they're at now, and and the other side of that, they've been incredibly prudent in how they've structured their free agent deals that they have signed. Take Dean Marlowe, who they just signed as a safety. Uh, he's he's a marginal he's a marginal starting safety. He did he did start and play well for Buffalo, but the context of that is is that they had a really damn good defense around him. Uh, specifically, they have a good pass rush. They have a good linebacking core that can fly in and out. And they didn't rely on him to do a lot of the things that the Lions' safeties will be asked to do, or at least what we anticipate them to do. So, but his his salary cap hit is, is under one million dollars. Uh, the the they signed Charles Harris. They signed uh, a couple other guys. So the, their cap hits are much lower than you would have. Easy for me to say. Much lower than you would have expected for a players of their caliber. Even even a guy like Charles Harris. I mean, this is a guy, former first round, washed out badly. Um, hasn't really redeemed himself. This is sort of a bet on yourself deal. One point seven five million dollars for a guy who could, uh, probably won't be, but could be your starting outside linebacker or starting defensive end edge, pass rusher. They've been really, really prudent about that. You have to tip your hat to Mike Gisner um, and, and the front office for not signing paralyzing deals. Looks at, looks at Big V. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, they, they're, not, they're not on the hoof for any of these bad, god-awful contracts that we've seen before. Jesse James is gone. Chase Daniel is gone. You know, they're not signing mediocre backups to – starter level or even good starter level contracts and they've avoided that look at the brockers deal right here you've got a quality player for a great deal i mean this is this is this what competent dgming looks like i have no idea (laughs) this is is new on me this is interesting it's uh it's different because because, you know because i do think that bob quinn uh, up until the last year did a pretty good job of managing the cap Uh, they Mm -hmm. weren't in cap hell they, they signed decent contracts. They did not overpay to keep Kenny Galladay, which I think is a prudent move. I think they just they, downgraded every position for roughly the same price throughout their tenure and eventually came back. They, to they did. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, some of it was, was, was this guy a coaching fit? I hate, we're not going to go down that road again. But they, it, it fell off for Quinn very badly at the end in terms of his salary cap management. And I think he took more power of, over it. Because he was a little bit more desperate to, to prove himself, yep. uh, and it didn't work. Um, the fact that Disner is still around, and the fact that he is doing what he's doing with the roster that they have now with the new management regime, speaks very well of Mike Disner and very well of Rod and Sheila for keeping him around. Yeah, no, absolutely, it does. And I don't know; I don't have the number in front of me. I'm working from memory here. I think we have a relatively large dead cap amount sitting there as well we this do. year, which means not only are we sitting sixth overall in cap availability right now, but all that dead cap this year is money we can spend next year. So I, whatever the number, I think I'm, for some reason, like 30 million is in my head, but I could, I could be in, in, in left field on this, but. That's all of a sudden all kinds of free money that put us in a great position cap-wise heading into next season. Right. And what happens next year? Two things. One, cap's going to go way up. Yep. We don't know how high, but it's going to go back up to at least where it used to be in the 220 to 230 million range or where it was projected to be. It's, it's a 180, was it 188, yeah. I want to say? Yeah. And I, I 182, number, 182. Like, okay. The other thing, look at all the free agents this year that signed one-year deals, and that includes top-end guys. 
All those guys are hitting the market again next year. Guess who's got money? Guess who's got draft picks? Guess who's got excitement building um, for guys that want to bite kneecaps off? Where are you going to go? Next year's going to be a frenzy. It's going to be next an absolute frenzy. I can't wait till free agency next year. I don't want to rush through this year and the season and all that. I want to wish yeah, it all I away. Know. But holy cow, next year is going to be awful. <laughs> it should be. Um, that that's the goal. I think I think we've we've all agreed as a show and as a Lions community. Hopefully, this team's not going to be in the playoffs this year. This this is the beginning of something new. There will be growing pains. You have a rookie GM. You have a rookie head coach. You've got coordinators who've never coordinated before. And Aaron Glenn, you've got a lot of moving parts, a lot of band aid. Uh, frankly, they have an expansion team at, at safety and wide receiver right now. Uh, they they have a lot of holes that are going to keep them from being successful this year, but they're also starting to build something. And next year, they'll have a much better idea of what else they need to build on top of that. The draft picks this year, have they hit? Is Okuda developing along? Is Tracy Walker worth keeping? Is is Julian O'Quara developing enough where you don't need to, to, to draft an edge in the first round or, or sign a guy like that? They'll have all those answers next year when they're in a position where they can ascend when Green Bay might be falling off because Aaron Rodgers might decide that he likes hosting Jeopardy more than he likes playing quarterback for the, the Packers. And by the way, he's really good on Jeopardy. I'd I love to see it. Um, he's, he's got the right kind of snark to him. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I liked it. I'm, I'm going I'm to no, give him no, credit it's, there. It's, you're, you're, I just hate Aaron Rodgers as a football player so much, it's hard to transcend that into anything else, right? But yeah. you're right. You're right. If I, if, I, if I put my objective Chris hat on, um, and, and shake out all the, the the ghosts and the skeletons in my closet. You're absolutely right. He was really good at it. He he he, 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 he was better than Doctor Oz. He was better than uh, than the producer that they had. And he's unfortunately likable. <laughs> he is. He he's really is. Un, un, unwittingly, I don't know what it is. Unsomethingly yeah, I mean, likable. He's, he's he's got an interesting second turn um, late in his career, and I think as a Lions fan, I think we can appreciate it. So, but you're in a position where they could be falling off. The Bears. Who knows what's going to happen with them? <laughs> Are they going to get a quarterback? <laughs> Their defense is suddenly getting old and to the end of its contracts. They don't have any money. Yeah. So they are they're in a very precarious spot. Minnesota, who, again, they're in a spot where a lot of their key players are getting to the end of their useful contracts in their peak years. Yep. Um, how that coincides with, with Kirk Cousins and where he's at, with their coaching staff, with, with, with Mike Zimmer, you know, his – there are some questions about him coming back. So this isn't the year for the Lions to make the move. It's next year, but they can position themselves this year. They've done a good job of keeping that established by not signing bad contracts. They're not overpaying for the Philadelphia Eagles backup lineman. They're not overpaying for Chicago's backup quarterback um, and asking him to still be a backup. Right. You know, oh, still. But they, they've <laughs> avoided the pitfalls that a lot of teams try to do when they're in a position like the Lions where they have so many holes. And and this team needed, realistically, they needed five wide receivers this offseason, yeah. three of whom will certainly play. They didn't go out and, and over they, – they, they didn't break the bank. They, they didn't pay Rashard Higgins $10 million a year like he wanted. They didn't pay Kenny Galladay $18 million a year like, like he wanted. They, they made prudent deals. Are, are any of Tyrell Williams, um, Rashad Perriman, and Khalif Raymond, are they on the roster in 2022? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> but they, the, the point is, is that you're not going to be paying for them to be there if they, if they don't belong. 
And yeah. that's that's where I think this that's where I think this regime has done a really good job this offseason. Let, let me hit you really quick on Terrell, Terrell Williams because this was up in the Reddit today, um, and I I really I really this 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 kind of felt good about Tyrell specifically. Uh, it says Tyrell Williams is a really great player, and if it wasn't for injuries, I fully believe he'd have a one thousand yard a year type of wide receiver. First year he played with us, he got injured badly, and he still played uh, and started a lot of games. I think he had a TD in five straight games to start the season. However, he was injured badly and couldn't play as well anymore. You guys will love him the way he is super physical and catches the ball at the high point. He's an extremely reliable receiver, so the Lions got to steal him. If he stays healthy, he'll be a wide receiver one, no doubt. Okay, probably, maybe, okay, let me not cap the guy's ceiling, okay? I I, I don't (laughs) see a wide receiver one here, but I see one hell of a wide receiver two, possibly, out of this guy. Um, I'm really interested in how he plays out this year. And boy, you talk about motivation again. Another guy with a one-year deal. That's the other part of all these guys this year. They're sitting here with these one-year deals to ball out and try to get a chunk of that big fat cash that's going to be out there next year. They have every motivation to leave every ounce that they have on the field, and I think that's one of the things that for the Lions this year is really going to be in their favor because this is a team in a rebuild mode like this, this first year where you know you're just kind of setting things up. A lot of guys aren't going to be around the year after, and they're just kind of getting their check and moving on. Um, If you're going to have a year where you have guys balling out trying to get their contract, it's a year when your team's in a situation like the Lions are right now. So I feel like we've got that going for us, which is nice. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you got a chance um, to to go back in, in Lions time a little bit. Uh, this is when a guy like George Johnson stepped up. Remember him mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. when he came over? He, he was he was a guy that didn't have a lot of interest. They signed him on a one year prove it deal. Yep. You know what? He proved it, and then he went on and didn't exactly prove it elsewhere. But he they they got a good song, one strong year out of him. If they can get that kind of a year at wide receiver from Williams or Perriman or Raymond, uh, if they if they can get that from Dean Marlowe at safety, and and they could. Yeah. It, it makes it makes this year that much better because uh, let's face it right now the, the talent still isn't equivalent on this team to compete uh, with the better teams. It's just not. Sure. No, as it's much not. as much and as as much as we want it to be, and as much as we want to drink Honolulu Blue Kool Aid, they're not there. Um, even after a good draft, where if if they land all six, if they nail all six of these picks, and all six of those guys can play right away, you know what? they're still not. No. It, I, it, and I see, I see you're, you're absolutely right. The thing that I see out of this, though, cause, and, and you know I like to find the, the silver linings when I can, um, because if I didn't, I would have quit watching the Lions and football a long time ago. The reality is, is this team, even if they wind up with the same record as the last year, Patricia, last year, which I think they'll do better than that. I mean, not they're not going to blow the top off of that, right? But I think they have a, the, the opportunity, especially with the 17 games, to win another game or two. This year, but even if they matched the record, the football we see is going to be 10 times more fun. The season is going to be 20 times more exciting and engaging for fans. And that's one of the things there's I've just realized. I don't know if it's being old or what. Right. But I just realized a couple of things recently. How many fans never have seen a playoff win from this team? I mean, it seems silly because I can remember it in, in many ways like it was yesterday. But I was really I wasn't that old. <laughs> but, it's been it's been thirty seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. Um, 
A lot of people, a ton of people haven't even seen that. Um, and then the last couple of years and, and, and the years, even the last year with Caldwell and, and even the last year of, of Mayhew before, they weren't a whole lot of fun. You know what I mean? It was it no. took work to be a Lions fan. And I just think that that is something that's absolutely going to change about this team. And that's that's what it should be. Win, lose or otherwise, it should be fun to support your team and watch football. And I think that's one of the things that is absolutely changing this year. Well said. I We, we can only hope. Uh, already, press conferences are that much more entertaining. Yeah. The players seem more empowered to be themselves. Uh, they're, they're not, they're not, you know, Hiding behind things that they're they're more active on social media. Um, well, Darius Slay was and that's that's one of the reasons why he got run out of town. <laughs> you're seeing you're seeing players that are appreciative of being Detroit Lions, and that's not something that was a popular conception with the team or certainly the other players around the league looking at the Lions in the Matt Patricia era. Yep. So thank God that's dead. Um, all right, I want to go to the next thing. Jim Nagy, um, superhero of the Senior Bowl. Let's let's just lay it down there. Executive director of the Senior Bowl. Love Jim. He's a great guy. Super intelligent. Traverse City native, as a matter of fact. Lions fan. Yes. We had a great conversation about our uh, Twitter banner. As a matter of fact, it was put a lot of the old fellas with some of the new fellas in that big that little thing. But um, <laughs> he appreciated it. The um, the the tweet from him he had about forty times because there's been a lot of talk about the forty times are inflated right because they did they didn't do the combine and boy everybody's a speedster this year everybody's running four three eight Chris yeah, everybody yeah you are too <laughs> thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> four minutes and thirty eight seconds but uh, <laughs> we 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 think about it and we talk Still about going. it <laughs> um, he comes out and says no these times are real they uh, hand timed before. I want to just say, okay, Jim can be right while also these times not being real as well. And let me, let me talk about it. I think, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, here's how I'm reading this. At the okay. pro days, they all were hand-timed and teams hand-timed all the players. Um, that's just the way it worked. And every team had their person, probably one person or two people, and they were then consistent with the way that they timed the players at pro days. I would then yes. also extrapolate that they had their people hand timing at the combine. The reason being is they do. They you, absolutely do. You yes. can then see what the variance is on the hand timing and you can start finding the pattern. And so when you get those times at the pro day, you can adjust them accordingly. That's my take on how it works. Now, you have these hand times. Yes, they hand time at the combine. Yes, they hand time at the pro day before but there is still nothing like the laser timing of people who are undergoing their their 40 in the exact same conditions, same wind, same turf, same everything yeah. else. Um, so while Jim can be right, I still think we've got inflated times. We're not seeing the times the teams have, that they've hand-timed. We're seeing the kind of released times. And so Jim's right. I believe he's right. But I still think that what we're all seeing and experiencing this year is inflated times in the 40. Tell me the holes in my argument, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, they're definitely inflated, but this, uh, another factor, a lot of these guys opted out or haven't played football as late as they normally have. They don't have as much wear and tear on them going into their training sessions. The training sessions, if you haven't seen what these guys do to prepare for the draft, is getting better and better every year. 
the training facilities, places like IMG there in Bradenton. Uh, there's a giant speed school in Dallas. Um, there's actually one here in Grand Rapids that has several players that work out here. Um, there, there's all over the country. There's a giant one in Columbus, Ohio. Um, that strangely enough attracts more Michigan people than it does Ohio State. Uh, but that, that's that's another interesting conversation. Uh, but they're getting better at teaching these guys how to ace these tests. Just like you know, when when you were in high school, you know, there were all those. You know, what was it Kaplan teaching them how to take yes. the SAT and all that stuff? SAT day and, day was today for my son, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh wow, that, that's not stressful at all. No, no, you know, but but <laughs> they 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 taught you how to test better, and that's been going on in the athletic training. The agents have figured it out. Personal trainers have figured it out. You know, these guys have track coaches now. They don't have they don't have old fast football players teaching them how to run. They have like you know Usain Bolt like people yeah. teaching them how to get out of the blocks, how to have your arm, how to hold your arm back until the very last second, is, so you're moving as much of you as forward as you can before you hit that little thing that sets, that that sets the laser yeah. off or, or makes makes the guy hit his his hand. They're getting a lot better at teaching that, and these guys this year had more and more time to practice that and master it. It's, it's not just the 40s either. These guys got better at, at figuring out how to do the vertical jump. The vertical jumps this year were insane. Yeah. Um, sh- short shuttle times were generally better across the board, uh, especially for the, the speed guys. Uh, you're seeing uh, one of the things that you see a lot of, and, and this is something that we look for when, when we're scouting players, is they have a 40 time. It'll be, you know, four, three, eight, let's say. But if their their three cone time is four point two, well, that means they're straight line. They're stiff, and you don't want to be stiff. And you're seeing less of that this year. So these guys are practicing at all the drills, and they're getting better at it. And like I said, they're getting better at teaching it. So that also factors in this year as well. That's one of the reasons why the you're seeing better times and better training across the board. I think one of the things that's happening it's 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 just like video games, and I hate to to, to do this, but in video games you have. The, the people that make the games and the people that play the games. The people that play the games are continually trying to find ways to, to beat the games, to break the games, to find, you know, glitches. Not maliciously, but just to find a little advantage, find a little edge, right? And, I mean, some people are malicious too, but it's, it's just finding that edge to be better at the game, especially multiplayer. And then the video game manufacturers are trying to find ways to stop those, those glitches, prevent those things from happening, create a more fair and a better uh, environment. And they use all kinds of ways of, of, of doing that. But it's just this escalation from each side, getting better at gaming the game. And I think what you see is, you know, this year on the training side, the game got a little better for the people that are running the 40 versus the people that are, are, are timing it, if you will. But in the end, you're absolutely right. Performance will continue to improve. Just a significant jump that it took this year is a little bit harder to believe than, than over other it years. but. And and this is and where I really like on the field is the other question. Yeah, right? and I, I like the Brad Holmes approach here. This is why he likes the GPS tracking. We talked about that before, um, and and he had a good comment about it. You know, obviously if a guy's running four nine, that catches. <laughs> but uh, they have a really good idea of if a guy's fast on tape, he's going to time fast, mm-hmm. and it, it's more about validating the eye test on that. Yep. Like like Jalen Waddle did not run at their pro day at Alabama's pro day this year. If you if you watch Alabama football and you can't tell that he's fast, you're probably not a very good NFL football or, evaluator. Or conversely, all right. Let's just we're going to put a hypothetical out there. Let's say that July Devise Pro Day happened <laughs> and he does a four three eight forty, but you look at the tape 
from the last two years of Jelani Tavai, you're like, this guy's dumb. <laughs> what else can you say, right? Because he's not fast on tape. And I'm not, I don't mean to knock on Jelani. He's not a dumb guy, right? I, I met him at no, Taste he, Alliance. No, he's a really great, he, great guy. He's certainly he's just, not fast. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and, and that's, I mean, that, those things they have to correlate. Obviously, they have to correlate. Right. That's the point I'm making. In, in, in a yeah. And if you if you listen to Jim Nagy talk when he's he's doing ESPN spots now, um, which is great. He's he's very good there, by the way. And you listen to, to guys like Pat Kerwin, and you listen to um, Pat? some of the other. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Mark Dominic is on Sirius NFL Radio a lot. Um, he's really good. He's a former NFL GM, um, and they all talk about the the testing being a validation for what you see on tape. Or if somebody comes from out of nowhere, um, there, there's a there's a wide receiver, uh, Michael Strachan, mm. from Charleston this year. Late round guy, 6'5", 226 pounds, was going to be a, an Olympic sprinter on the Bahamian Olympic team. Uh, but, of course, the Olympics got canceled, so he couldn't do that. But this is a guy that, you know, he's playing at a low D2 school. I mean, the, the, the conference they're in is one of the worst in D2. It's like the Mac of D2. Right. Uh, and I say that as a Mac guy, so <laughs> save your hate mail. Oh, <laughs> but this guy, ca- this guy catches over a thousand yards. He averages over eighteen yards per catch. And he scored twenty touchdowns in a season just by being the dude. I mean, and, and now he's playing against you know five foot ten guys who are going to be working you know the night shift at Walmart in two years. And, and th- there's nothing wrong with that, but th- it, it's not, he's not playing against the SEC. He's not playing against Ohio State. He's not playing against Clemson. The fastest stalkers but, you've ever seen. <laughs> yes, exactly. But a guy like that, when, when he goes out on a pro day and runs a 4-3-6 uh, and, and vertical jumps 41 inches, you're going to be like, oh, now I need to go watch this guy. Yeah. That's, the, that's the kind of attention that you're – when that's where you go from – Oh, the results. Now you go to the tape. Right, right, right. right Normally right. you're coming at it from the other direction, but a guy like, like Strachan, um, who, who should get drafted, by the way. And I, in fact, I put him as a wide receiver. Um, I did the, the wide receiver for every round for the Lions. He was the seventh round pick. I know they don't have a seventh round pick. I don't care. I keep the format because it's not easier that way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll talk about that. Oh, that's what we call a tease. Ladies <laughs> and, gentlemen. and not Tabor. Um, l- let me really quick get into Ooh, thank God, no. Do we want to talk anything about Pat really quick? You meant, you mentioned Pat Kerwin. <laughs> I can't let it go by without our senior bowl story coming up. Um, uh, Pat's just, he's, there's he's nothing so better than fun. shiny eyed Pat, right? Shiny red eye. Uh, you know, just, and, and, you know, the, Such the, a good guy. The, the, the way he, he works the room and, at uh, what's that place called? Winchell's? No, not Winchell's. That's another no. place. Um, um some someplace someplace out on the bay, the, the causeway out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I've had the opportunity to go there. Um, uh, our friend of the show, Brandon Kerr, the commission took me along with with the first time as as a, as a guest, and it was great. And thank you again for that, for Brandon. Um, I I appreciate that because I've I've wound up having a relationship with Pat beyond that, and a couple other guys there too. And it's been it's been really cool. Um, with, with the serious NFL football heads, those guys are great guys. Yeah. But just seeing Pat work the room and, and how well he understands like the macro picture of yeah, things yeah, and, yeah. and how how unfiltered he is when he's off the radio is just, he's awesome. Just he was just awesome. I mean, just it's it's one of those things when you see a guy who's had a couple, right? In in an yeah. element where he's still he's performing but not, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you can see a little bit of genuineness come through there. 
but also that ability not to be a jerk. Yeah. I mean, he was, it's like, it was like, great. He, it was he can't great. say on the radio, like, Laquan Treadle's a piece of crap. Right. I can't stand this guy. <laughs> Whoever's drafting him should get fired. Yeah. Yep. Um, he can't say that there. He can say that. And he might have said that at, at, at the Oyster House. <laughs> at the Oyster House. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. Wherever good the stuff. heck we were. All right. Um, so there he is. There, there's a talk about 40 times and what to think about those this year. Um, I really wanted to, you know, the reason we're audio only this week, and I apologize to everyone who, who wanted to go to the YouTube and see our, our, our shining, smiling faces. Um, it's just a hardware issue with our the, the computer we use. There's a upgrade for uh, the, the video card uh, to a 3080. For those of you that know, um, that 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 stuff's like it's like getting a, a brick of gold shipped in the mail. That thing is worth a million dollars today because people just can't get them. Um, unfortunately, the exchange happened, and I had to run off of a laptop, which just doesn't have the power to 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 carry the beauty that is the Riz and I across the internet. So oh, it's man, I was having a good hair day. Too. I know you look so great. All right, hey, with that, you, we'll talk draft. We got a good guy that wants to join us, a good friend of yours, and and soon to be mine from uh, Shrine Bowl. And and all around, he's from uh, CBS Sports HQ. Let's get Emery Hunt on the show right now. Time for a different kind of breakdown with today's special guest. Now, I appreciate yeah. you guys having. Uh, uh, it's it's great to talk to you. You are my you are my senior bowl sweet mate. We sit next to each other in the press box every year, or a uh, shrine game rather. I missed you this year. Uh, I can't wait to get back and do that, but. Uh, yeah, your draft guide, and the reason why I wanted to have you on, Emery, is that you do not follow the herd. You you are your own wolf. You are your own lion. You see things. You call it how you see it, and I love that about you. Sometimes you're incredibly prescient on things that other people don't see, and that's what they're going to get in your draft guide. So if you want to talk a little bit about what you offer in that, that would be No, great. I appreciate that, Jeff, and you're right. It's coming from one person's perspective, and it's coming based off what I see. And You don't want to get influenced by outside noise. It's not saying that's a bad thing. But you want to make sure when you're giving the public your take on on a prospect or something that they're getting your take and not someone else's take that influences your take. So, yeah, the draft guide has over 780 pages, over 570 prospects. I print out my copy today. So this is what it looks like. It's oh my a goodness. Copy. Uh, so you're getting you're getting over 570 individual scouting reports on prospects. So everyone has a full page. It's set up pretty nicely. I know we're on video, so I want to show people. It's set up pretty nice, so everybody has a full page. So it's not, you know, talking about the top 10 and then listing off the other 50. No, everyone I watched, I graded and gave a scout report. You get that in the book. Uh, my thoughts on their strengths, their areas of improvements, the games that I think I was finally able to put one out officially last year. So this is the second edition of the draft guide, but it's always good to look back and keep a running document of what you've done. I, I even, you know, was able to go back and, find all my draft grades from 2010 to now and looking at what has changed over time and where I, I how my process has evolved it's fun to see and so I'm glad I've been able to put it together in a book and what you can get at footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide it's a, it's a pdf form um if you want to be bold and print it out like I did just to have it you can but it's a lot <laughs> of, of work uh, but it, it's fun though it's good to let people know uh where where I stand on certain prospects because I I start jumping into the draft process in January because I'm during the season. I'm broadcasting games, uh, calling a lot of these FCS games. I'm scouting games, and then once January starts, because uh, I also cover the NFL as well. So once January starts, I'm down at these All Star games, and that's really starting my draft process. So 
I'm cramming a lot of work into the January and February months before pumping out this draft, guys. So you're getting a real good piece of work here with this one. I got to tell you, it's been, gosh, what is it? it? I can't wait to read it. The last three times that you've been at uh, (laughs) Senior Bowl, I've, I've, I've been there, but I've been up in the other suite instead of the press suite. And, and you keep talking about Emery, and I never got down there to meet him. And it's good to finally get in front of him and, and say, hey, Emery, there's a lot of work. I know I know the guy is <laughs> about $6.5 million, right? I mean, you're charging um, an arm, a leg, and a firstborn, right? <laughs> I should, but it's only 10 bucks for everyone. It's, it's you know, it's fan-friendly. It's 10 bucks. You get a lot of info. And the, and the good part is the real reason why – I love the guide is because, yeah, we can sit here and talk about the top 50 prospects all day, every day. But we know the bulk of your football team is made with prospects on day three and undrafted free agents. So if with a guy like this, when you guys sign someone and you say, well, who the hell is that guy? And then you go back and see a scouting report on him. Now, you know, you're just a more informed fan on your team's back end of the roster, but also guys that may are able to develop. That hey maybe the team doesn't take this this pick in you know they don't take a, a wide receiver here because they got this wide receiver they drafted last year a guy they signed last year on their practice squad that they're developing but you know who that guy is and what he can do based off my draft guy. So uh, you you know all about Malcolm Kuntz then the 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 uh, Mel Kiper projection for the Lions for the second yeah. round that's that little little rich for Mr. Kuntz he's a good player but uh, that's. that's yeah, I, I'm sure he's in your book. I know you know the Mac. I know you know the FCS better than anybody. Uh, we, we, you, you enlighten me on players all the time. You tip me off to people. Uh, you tip me off to James Madison a couple of years ago. A couple of players that they had. All right, that's awesome, Emery. If you don't mind, let's let's kick into the draft here this year. Um, there's a lot going on, and and everything that happens to the Lions for our listeners is gonna is gonna be the result of what happens in picks one through six. And there's a lot of action going on there, a lot of questions. We're hoping to leverage your expertise to kind of watch how this uh, draft is going to unfold in front of us and what's going what's gonna to land in our, in our lap. You, you down for that, dude? Yeah, I'm game. Awesome, awesome. All right, let's get right into it. Starting out, number one overall, I think this is a really contentious pick. I don't think anybody agrees. <laughs> well, who do you got coming in uh, first overall? It, it doesn't have to be Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah, you assume uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy. I'm pretty sure... He's going to be the guy, although, you know, you never know what Urban Meyer and his connection with Ohio State, you get a curveball in there, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, number one. So then, then you get to number two. I, you, you know the Jets very well. I know you do. Uh, it's, it's Zach Wilson by, by all hook or crook or whatever. It, that seems to be the consensus pick. Is that, is that where, you're, where you're at with it as well? I'm still up in air with that one, you know, Ooh. because it could be Justin Fields. It could be Zach Wilson. Um, and, you know, you don't really know. I haven't gotten a good feel for Joe Douglas yet and, and you know, when and where he's telling the truth or being truthful. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I know, I, you know, I was able to, to spend a lot of time with Dave Gettleman um, in the airport yeah. uh, one time we were both delayed. And so I got a, a, had a good long time to get to know him. So I kind of could pick when he's telling the truth and when he's, you know, kind of stringing yeah. it along. But Joe Douglas, I, I, I still, I'm still trying to find a good read on him. But it could be Zach Wilson or it could be Justin Fields, but it will be a quarterback going number two, put it that way. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I, I like that you have included Fields in that conversation because I've, I've talked to a couple of other people that are like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't car, I wouldn't get the, the Wilson jersey and Jets, Jets green just yet. You know, the, the, 
I, th- I think that door might still be open. I'm, I agree with you on that. That's, you know why? Uh, for, for me, it's, it's you know, and I like Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's my number three quarterback. I have an 85 grade on Fields and I think an 83 on Wilson. So it's not like okay. I don't like Wilson. But the reason why I like Fields here in New York is because you have to have a certain level of – you have to have a certain temperament to play. Yeah. Eli had it. Um, you know, Phil Sims had it. You know, you you have Tester Birdie had it when he was in his heyday with the Jets. You you have yeah. to have that certain mentality of being able to block out the noise. Um, and I think someone like Fields has that Deshaun Watson type, you know, ability with him in terms of being able just to hone in. Wilson, we only saw this one year. He's pretty much a gamer, mm-hmm. and I compared his game to like a Johnny Manziel, um, where you know right. he he can do a lot of great, great creative things, um, but. I don't know how his temperament is when things don't go great. Uh, we kind of saw a little bit of that against Coastal Carolina, although he was able to re- regroup and get them down the field on that last series. You know, and they came up what one yard short. Um, and, and so he he was able to rebound and, and get themselves in position to win the game. But a guy like Justin Fields, we saw him battle through you know, adversity in big games. I think that's the type of player you need out here. If you was if it was Zach Wilson going somewhere other than New York, I'd be all for it. But I just think this is a unique market. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I don't disagree, and, and that's I think that's a big part of what's going to drive that pick there. Um, moving on, we go from the Jets to San Francisco, who took that out of out of Houston, who got that pick instead of uh, from Houston in the trade. Um, are we going quarterback one, two, three? Yeah, I think quarterback is. It all depends on you know. Who doesn't go to, and you know, whether it's Wilson Fields or Lance, if they want to uh, keep Garoppolo, let Garoppolo start, and don't want to rush Lance out there, I can see any one of those three going to San Francisco. Okay. What about Mac Jones? You're not buying that. Yeah, I have a hard time buying that. I think I compared Mac Jones to Jimmy Garoppolo, and mm-hmm. so that's you know essentially. Yeah creating all those picks to get up and get the same guy, but younger. Uh, so I think Mac Jones will be the perfect fit for a team like Chicago or Washington. You know, someone like Mac Jones or Kellen Mond, um, they would be better suited to go to a team like Chicago or Washington where it's a veteran group and they have someone that has some big-time game experience that can step in and play as a rookie. Even though Mac Jones has the same amount of starts as Trey Lance, those starts he has are under the SEC scope of, of you know, play. And mine has been at A&M forever. So I think those guys, I think, are a more second-round talent, in my opinion. So if there were Chicago or Washington, and I know the way quarterbacks are, are you know, propped up, uh, you know, Jones won't go in the second round. But if I were right. choosing, he would, I would take him in the second round to be my starter and take that Andy Dalton route with a guy like, uh, Jones or mine, you know. I, I love that. This is that was the question I had teed up exactly for you, Emery. Where do you think that Mac Jones is going to go versus where would you take him? Because that's I think the story of of Mac Jones this year. He's going to go far higher in the draft than he probably his value would 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 put him at. But that's just the way the quarterback works in the NFL. And let me ask you, just projecting forward, we'll say he goes at number twenty to Chicago, for example. How does how does he play out in the NFL? What is what do you project his career if he's sitting? And, and I'll tell you, just as a homer and someone who's not a big fan of, of Chicago, I don't think things 
improve very much over Trubisky <laughs> with Mac Jones in Chicago. But maybe you know, maybe that's my bias. What's what's your thinking on that? I think Mac Jones can. He's a much better passer than Trubisky as far as consistency in the accuracy department. Uh, going deeper downfield, he's consistent in that regard. We saw Trubisky miss a lot of opportunities to hit plays deep downfield. That's where Jones excels. Mm-hmm. So I think you get a much more cohesive offense, a consistent offense. And he, you know, I, I liken his game to, you know, someone like Matt Hasselbeck. You know, you can get to yeah. Super Bowl with a Matt Hasselbeck. You know, you don't have to be flashy, but you just can't be erratic. And that's what they had in Mr. Trubisky. They got to the playoffs with Mr. Trubisky. But the erratic nature of his game didn't allow you to go through the playoffs. And I think that's the issue. You want to find someone that can that you can flatline their game. And Mac, Mac Jones, because when you know people were talking about Mac Jones, um, and when I finally got into the scouting part of it, I was like, I, I know I'm going to find all kind of holes in this dude's game because anytime you know Twitter hypes up somebody, he's probably not that good. So <laughs> I'm going to watch this guy. He's going to have all kind of holes, but that wasn't the case. I was like, man, everything he's doing is is legit. You know what? I had the same reaction. I, I was I wanted to be more skeptical than I was. Then I watched him like. Yo, he's pretty good. He, yeah. he can play. It's <laughs> like, not like when I watched Trash and Trash arm kind of, you know, died on him like toward the back end of the season. But Mac was, Jones, I was just like, man, Mac Jones can actually. Mac, Mac Jones looks pretty good. Kyle Trask looks like uh, Mason Rudolph to me, but that's yeah. that's just my opinion. If this was <laughs> 96, Kyle Trask would be a first-round pick. He yes. doesn't have the athleticism. You know, the game is, I think, as a guy like Trask's skill set. You know, yeah. uh, he's a, he'll be a solid number two. Um, but someone like Mac Jones, I was just like, yo, I can't, I can't hate on this game. This dude can play. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I hate on his dad bod some. You know, I, I would wish that he would, he would dedicate himself to, to look a little bit better than I do. But, you know, hey, then. Can you different strokes for different folks. It's okay. If we had to weigh in this year at the Senior Bowl, how much fun we would have had with that dad bod. I mean, my, my, my last favorite was uh, Hunter Renfro, right? I still, I will never forget my notes on him. Looks like a punter. I mean, that's looks like a paper boy, <laughs> but he can play. Yeah, yeah, he's he's way better than he looked at the at the elephant one. All right, let's go to number four. Are we going four, four quarterbacks in a row? Un, I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it's it's definitely not not the norm. We've got Atlanta on the clock, and they're they're a little bit of a wild card for a lot of people. Yeah, it's possible if Trey Lance doesn't go in the top three, then I think um, he goes four to okay. Atlanta. And that's the only – Trey Lance, to me, is specific to certain spots. Um, I think he needs to, to sit for at least a, two years, a, a year or two. And I'm team put them out, put guys out there. Yes. You don't get better by playing on the bench. However, right. if you're Atlanta, if you're Detroit, if you're New England, if you're, um, you know, Washington with whatever they, they think they got in Fitzpatrick, that those are good spots for a guy like Lance. And yeah. I compared him to Jordan Love. And he's on that same Jordan Love, Deshaun Kaiser uh, spectrum to where they got on paper, they got the tools, they got the athleticism, they got to check all those boxes athletically, but you know they need a little bit of grooming. Kaiser didn't get the grooming. He was thrown out there quickly and kind of had up and down. Yeah. Um, and then Love is getting the benefit of that. But where uh, Lance is going to get a good benefit, he gets the, the added benefit of a full off season and preseason he gets to play in. Um, so I feel like looking back at a, a guy like Kaiser and looking where things went wrong for him and where things are different for uh, 
Lance and and I think Kaiser and Jordan Love are the same in this regard, is that Lance is great inside the twenty. Kaiser and Love were were fantastic from twenty to twenty, but inside the red zone they had their issues, the turnovers, you can't have that. Lance yeah. inside the twenty excels. He's able to lock his like Josh Allen. Twenty to twenty, it was an adventure. But inside the twenty, he locks in and he's excellent. And I think that's that gives you a little bit more, you know, uh projection if you're looking at Lance. But I do think Lance, he was what, nineteen years old? And we, we talk about last year, uh watching Dwayne Haskins have ups and downs. And people who pointed to the fact that he was um he only played fifteen games at Ohio State. All right. Well he broke records at Ohio State, was a Heisman finalist, uh broke NCAA records, and now we're gonna have a guy that had fifteen FCS starts in a run dominant offense. And you want to put him in the top three and, you know, what are we doing here? You know, so I think those type of guys, I, I really want to see him go to a place where he can sit, rest, not rest, but sit, groom, work on yeah. the final parts of his game, uh, kind of play that Steve McNair role where he's going to spot duty in in, in uh, mop-up situations, play a lot in the preseason, year two or year three, now that Matt Ryan has retired or the Lions move on from golf, now you throw him out there. He knows the system. These are new coaching staffs. You have a great coaching teacher in Detroit and someone, Anthony Lynn, who developed, you know, did a great job with Justin Herbert. Now you have that luxury of having him work with a guy for two years before you actually throw him out there. So I think that's the type of situation where a guy like Trey Lance could be the ideal pick for Atlanta at four. And I think, you know, not to say that Jared Goff would be a bad teacher, but boy, Ryan, Matt Ryan in Atlanta, I just saw a stat. He had the most completions, I think it was, for like the last five or six years in the NFL. Just just incredible. Um, to sit behind a guy like that who's just so steady, Eddie, and, and, and so good at what he does would be a heck of an education for a guy. And, and a guy like Ryan seems like a kind of quarterback could, that could really bring someone up. If I think about him in a situation sitting behind Goff, Goff might not be mentally in a place where he wants to be that kind of a mentor. He may do it, right? But he's coming in off of a, a tough situation in L.A., the whole, you know, pipe the coach's girl, all the stuff that <laughs> went on there. Um, that, 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 you know, he wants to prove himself. He wants to come in and, and, and be the guy. So I think if I'm thinking about um, the best place for Lance to, to, to end up, I think it feels like Atlanta might be a better situation for him to to grow behind a veteran. But if Atlanta, if if let's say if Lance or Fields, let's say Lance or Fields goes in the top three, mm-hmm. um, I think Atlanta. I think it's hard for me to see them going a position player outside of quarterback, whether it's either Lance or Fields. Although Fields would be ready to play more so than Lance, sure. just have a hard yeah. time seeing Atlanta passing on. Uh, whoever that fourth quarterback is, that's not Mac Jones. So whether you know, <laughs> two, three, yeah, and they take um Lance, or if Lance's San Francisco's picked and they take Fields, I just don't see Atlanta passing on either one of those guys for Mac Jones. So I think it, if you throw a position player in there, then I think they probably would go. I would go corner. Um, Thank you, Patrick Sertain. Exactly. You drafted a guy <laughs> last year who. Play better toward the back end, AJ Terrell. You got the uh, the other corner from Ohio State that's that is outstanding, I believe. In, in inside um, Sheffield, I believe they drafted um, Kendall Sheffield. 
Yep. So now you bring in another top tier corner. You got to have at least two one A corners uh, in today's era of football, and I think that would be the best bet to go for Atlanta taking a corner as opposed to going with picks. I like that one as well. And I, I put it out on Twitter today. Somebody asked who's going to be the first defensive player taken. And I said, just guessing, Patrick Sertain at four to Atlanta. It does make a lot of sense to me, too, because they do they need an offensive tackle? I mean, who doesn't? But they when you have the offense that they have and the style of play that they have, they're built to play from ahead. And what do you need when you have that? Teams are going to be throwing at you. They're going to be using weapons at you. You need corners. You need guys who can make plays. Uh, and Sertain, he might not be a great playmaker, but he keeps you from making plays better than any corner I've seen in a long time coming out of the draft. So I, I, I endorse that pick. I like that. If they, if they happen to go that way. Right. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, keep going. Let's move on from Atlanta to Cincinnati. Um, one of the, the, the most advanced training facilities in the NFL. They're renowned for their quality there. Uh, <laughs> what do we have going on in Cincinnati? What do you see happening, Emory? I know everybody wants to go skill player, but I'll probably go lineman, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm big. Can you score? Can you take the ball away? But I think it became evident with Cincinnati that their offensive line needed a lot of work. And I know they brought in some help uh, in free agency, but why not continue to add to that help um, by drafting the guy? And, you know, whoever you feel as though is the best offensive lineman, I, I to me, the best tackle is Darryl Sauter, Virginia Tech. But if you were to take Rashawn Slater, who can play guard or tackle, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think he's excellent as well. So I will go with either of those two guys um, if I'm Cincinnati. I'm going to have to ask. You have Darisaw as number one. That that that's an that's an Emory Island right there. Can you explain why you have him there? I like I like his athleticism. You know when he's he is built like how uh, Trent Williams is built. You know when you see a big guy but skinny ankles. Good athlete, yeah. you know, almost like a power forward. Um, you know, he has all of those things. I know he played banged up a little bit last year. So, I, you know, people probably say uh, that he didn't always give the best effort. Well, I think he wasn't 100% um, last year. And, and, you know, so I, I, I wouldn't put too much stock in that. But he does everything well from a technical standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint. He, to me, is more of the plug-and-play guy and probably could allow you to move a guy like Jonah Williams inside. Um, and now you have really two good bookends. They signed Raleigh Reef as well, I believe. Uh, so I, I think they've done a good job. Uh, that will help them really solidify their offensive line because they'll have like three legit players up front out of the five, and they can you know continue to build depth later. But if they go receiver, I mean, I get both sides. Like I love the fact that they can add receivers, but they, I thought they had that last year with AJ Green and. You know, Tyler Boyd. I, you know, it's, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, those guys, they're, they're not chopped liver. <laughs> right, play. exactly. You know, so I, I get Pitts could be intriguing there, um, but you still have the offensive line question. Um, so I think you have to really solidify your offensive line, especially when you have a quarterback coming off of an injury. You don't, I like what Atlanta did the last couple of the last year when they doubled up on linemen in the first round. You know, that's how you go and strengthen that, that, that whole unit. You want to get five really good guys up front. It's not like a receiver or a skill player. You could, you need one. Uh, you need five dogs up front. And why not add one in, in Darisaw or Rashawn Slater? Yeah, I get you there. Um, so six, Miami traded back and they traded back forward. Uh, we had, we had, uh, our mutual friend Kyle Krabs on last week, covers the Dolphins. Uh, and he thought that it was for Kyle Pitts. 
where are you at on pits? I, we, we, we've talked ad nauseum about it. People don't want to hear us talk about cow pits. <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say about cow pits now. I like pits, man. Pits to me could be, um, I said this before, if he's a, you're looking at him as a tight end, he's Randy McMichael like. Um, Ooh. And if he's, you're looking at him as a receiver, he's Plexico Burris. So I could, I could see both sides of it. But again, I know he's, people love to say he's a unicorn. He's this, is this. But let's look at it from a team building, a roster building standpoint. You got Jaseki, who's mm-hmm. all athletic, can, you know, make those catches. You got Preston Williams coming off an injury, who's tall, athletic jump ball guy. You got Devontae Parker, tall, athletic. They need someone that can get up and go. They need, they, they have tall guys already. They need something different. You know, um, I'm all for getting those tall guys. I know, uh, uh, Matt Miller tried to do that when he had Rogers and Williams and uh, oh, Williams. good um, times. Right, he tried to go all <laughs> all tall trees. I understand that, but I think Miami needs something different. And I think a guy like Jamar Chase would be perfect um, because if okay. you bring in Pitts, you take away from Jasicki. Now, granted, you can have both, but does that help out Tua? And I think Tua likes these short catch and run guys. Those guys that can really. Uh, get open quick and catch and run. I know that some people may say that doesn't describe Chase, but if you if you can oh, create ways for him to get open and he can and, and try tackling that guy when he's one on one in the open, the, his lower body, the strength that he has, and and how bullish he runs, man. That's it's a different it's a different kind of being elusive. He he can run through you, but he can also he can plant that outside foot and break inside, and you're gonna you're gonna be looking for your shoes. Or it could be a situation where you look at Devonta Smith. Who already has chemistry? Who are had a little bit of chemistry with uh, Tua? So I could see him going there over Jamar Chase. Um, that could be an option as well. All right. Um, do you think any of that did, anything to do with that Miami trade was to get ahead of what Detroit wants in this draft? Could, yeah, absolutely. I think you look at Detroit, and clearly you see wide receiver is where they they're probably gonna go. So. Maybe they have a specific, uh, specific target in mind, but I think wide receiver is where a lot of people think or strongly believe the lines are going to go. So if you want the guy that you decide and don't want to leave it up to whoever Detroit didn't take, you get in front of Detroit. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where we sit right now with with the Detroit pick. That's where we're landing at, and it feels like out of the you know the top six picks, there's going to be four quarterbacks that go. So that that leaves you with with two more guys that can go, and that leaves you know what isn't taken in those two, which one very well could be your uh, your your uh, offensive line, um, it, or as you had you had a corner going. I mean, you you have some opportunities there, which leaves the table really open. It feels it feels crazy because the Lions aren't in a position with Jared Goff in hand, aren't in a position of desperation at quarterback, and all of a sudden the whole board comes open to them. Um, the way this this breaks down, what do you see happening for the Lions? I think they go receiver, and and you know you want to pair guys up with I believe what the strengths are for the person throwing them the football. And golf likes someone he can trust, and someone that's trusted over the middle of the field, someone that's trusted going deep down the field. That sounds like Jamar Chase. It sounds like Devonta Smith. Um, you know, you don't want to take Kyle Pitts and it, that high. If you're Detroit, because you already invested a top 10 pick in a tight end. And so you kind of want to let that guy continue to develop. 
Um, yeah, and Hawkinson's been good. He showed a lot Hawkinson, last year. And I like what they have as their the, the second tight. I know they brought in Josh Hill, but I still am a big fan of um, uh, the Paul guy. Bryant? Yes, exactly him from from Washington. Um, and okay. so that that to me is you know you have a, a good one and two. Hunter Bryant, you have a good one and two. Um, so Pitts, as good as he is, you know, you kind of stunt the growth of that position. So Chase or Smith would be my choice uh, for, you know, Detroit at that pick, at that seventh spot. Well, let me ask you, what about Jalen Waddle? Where is he fit I love Waddle. I, listen, Waddle um, is so explosive and so dynamic. It wouldn't surprise me to see him go first, you know, over – Oh, of that group, yeah. Group. yeah. Saw this last year, and I had a, I had a, you know, higher grade on, uh, even though um, I have them broken up in this for one split in was Henry Ruggs, and people had, you know, CD Lamb number one, or even the other guy from Alabama number one, Judy, yeah, Judy, and Judy was was my number one flanker, but Ruggs w- was the first to go off the board out the two, and Ruggs, to, I, I could see that playing out for Waddle. But we didn't see Waddle run the forty, so teams don't have that answer to what. Even though he on tape, he's probably four two. Um, but yeah, Waddle, any one of those guys, I wouldn't be opposed to having because they're just tremendous wideouts. All right, any defensive players enter the picture for you for Detroit at seven? Oh man, cornerback could be an option. Yeah. I know Okuda. Was- even with Okuda being number three last year, you think you think. Taking two top ten corners in a row, uh, would is that feasible? Is that I, I don't know. I I I'm not opposed to it, but it, it unless feels it's like, is a tough sell for me. It feels like taking two tight ends in a row. You know what I mean? Like you just don't want to do that. It, it feels like that's gonna hurt. But at least with cornerback, you you can rationalize it by saying predominantly teams are in three wide receiver sets, and mm-hmm. if you got two lockdown corners. Good luck finding, and we could game plan against a third receiver. You know, we could bracket him and take him away. So good luck trying to find somewhere to throw the football. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I can I can understand, you know, two corners. Parsons would be a good one. Um, but okay. Parsons is more of an inside guy unless you want to, you know, kick Jelani Tavai outside. And We um, just like to kick him out. We <laughs> <laughs> outside uh, and, you know, with Jamie Collins. So I could see Parsons. Pass rusher could be one. Um, I think Jalen Phillips could be in play. I think he's a, okay. a good four-three defensive end, one that's just a dog off the ball and can play both ends of defense really well. I, although I like Tryon as a pure pass rusher, Phillips is my number one four-three defensive end. He would okay. be in play. So I would say corner, inside backer, or even uh, you know uh, Phillips as a defensive end. I'm gonna I'm gonna tap into later on the the Lions desperately need safety help. Um, give me some day two, early day three safety guys that that can can step in and play right away because uh, the Lions right now have Tracy Walker. Uh, they just signed Dean Marlowe, who has been a number four for most of his career, and he is number two with a bullet in Detroit. So they got to get better there. Well, we saw remember we saw Marlowe down at the Shrine game. We did. Uh, he's he's wow, an man. impress he's an impressive dude. <laughs> it's, it's funny how long ago that was. And it I, was. I think that was a long time ago. <laughs> and so we, I think um, Detroit could be in a situation where you could benefit from someone that was injured, uh, but is a great player. Andre Cisco, out of Syracuse, uh, was tremendous. Had he been healthy, 
this year. And he had a freak pregame injury, which you know I think he tore yeah. it, you know, something like that. He's he stepped on a, a teammate's foot or something, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's he's only got yeah. out. So t- he's still a first round talent in my opinion. So okay. that's someone you could probably get on, you know, on late day two, early day three, um, depending on how he checks out medically. Uh, I do like uh, our Darius Washington of TCU. God, he's small though, man. Yeah, I he's... thought so too. I thought he was a, a nickel corner. He and is, then watch him just cover so much ground and just pop. He's him. really, really good, but he's like five seven. He's a he, tough he's, self. Dy- he's dynamic, man. He's, he is. I, I can't argue that. <laughs> um, and his his uh, I think his teammate is more of a solid, strong safety type. Morick. Yeah. Um, you know, I he's a good one. Richie Grant would be another one on day two or day. I think day two he's probably going to go because yeah. he can match up and cover too. Um, so I like him as well. So Detroit has some options. I'll, I'll be in, interest, interested to see how someone like Cisco ends up because he's the most talented. Uh, but, you know, teams now have a reason to knock him down the board because yeah. of the injury. But they can get someone that could be a tremendous day one player. Let me, he's a playmaker, that's for sure. I want to – go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm just waxing poetic about Cisco. <laughs> I, I saw, I saw the love in your eyes, and I, I was like, we got to move on here. Uh, <laughs> and I want to ask you about another kind of later round. I saw PFF has this guy going in the third round. I think that might be a little bit early, but Riz will tell you I have a type, and uh, this, this is a guy I picked up at the Senior Bowl, and um, just really got me excited. Cade Johnson from South Dakota State. What do you think? Do you think this guy has what it's going to take to, to make it in the NFL? I feel like he is a slot guy. He could do a lot of damage. Yeah, I like him. I, I believe I compared him to Marvin Jones. Mm. Oh, someone that, that really has that, that he has a good, you could tell he played a lot of football growing up um, because he has a, a savvy about his game and a nuance to his game that, that yields itself to being a good pro. Um, He's good with the ball in his hands, so you can use him in a wide receiver run game. You can use him as a as a returner now that you guys lost Agnew, who was outstanding in that regard. Um, and so, you know, he can serve a multitude of roles. Um, yeah, he's a slot guy. He's a tremendous slot guy. So, yeah, and, and dominating at that level and playing big in the big games. I know his game against Minnesota, he really was taking it to the Gophers, um, but he controlled the Missouri Valley Conference all throughout the rest of his, his career. At South Dakota State, so yeah, I like him um, in Detroit. The good part is, you know, this is a type of draft where you can double up on multiple positions. Um, uh, if you need, like, you need help at corner, you can double up and triple up on corner in this draft. You can double up and triple up on receivers in this draft. Same with offensive linemen. If you yeah. need a tackle, guard, and you know, center, you can do that. With this is a good draft to double up on certain positions. Agree with you on that. So uh, I, I, you've been very generous with your time, so we appreciate it. So I'll get you out here with one last question. You yourself were a Louisiana Raging Cajun running back. They got one this year that I really like. The Lions are not in the market for it, but I just want to tap your, your knowledge on, on Elijah Mitchell. And what do you think of, of your successor in the Raging Cajun gear? I thought I thought he did a great job. Him and Trey Regas, to be honest. Regas was there yeah. first. You know, he was, yeah. they, they called him Baby uh, Bettis, you know, when they brought him in, he was from New Orleans as well. So they brought him in, uh, first and then Mitchell came along and Mitchell just has a second gear about his game that, you know, that, that makes him special. Um, and I thought he got better this year in terms of, you know, learning how to finish runs, uh, breaking some tackles and had a, a great sense of timing. If it wasn't for him and his ability, they lose 
against Georgia State. You know, he put that team on his back and got them. No, that was a great game. That was a great game. It was going back and forth, man. <laughs> got them back in the game, then scored the game winning touchdown in overtime, I believe, or in the fourth quarter. So his ability to be a dual threat in the sense of what today's game requires, he doesn't need volume to be successful. He can help out in the, in the pass game, and, you know, he has a breakaway speed. I don't know if he's going to stay at 203 pounds when he weighed in at the combine because he played at like 215, 217. I think that's more along the lines of where he is naturally at 215, 217. So you're getting a guy that, that can handle, uh, you know, the, the rigors of, of pro football and, and running in, in between the tackles, but also has a breakaway speed to really make things happen uh, in an instant. So I'm not nuts for having him as my number five running back. Then. Not at all. Not at all. Like, you <laughs> okay. can't go wrong with any Cajuns rated high. Like, you get a quality of person. <laughs> you know, if you had a number one, I wouldn't object to that either. <laughs> top top quality character for sure. Right? <laughs> Emery, man, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Emery Hunt, CBS Sports HQ, and also... Uh, footballgameplan.com. Check that out. Check out his draft guide. It, one you heck will, of a value. At you will want the draft guide. If you want more of Emery, turn on your app. I, I watch you on Roku all the time on the CBS app. And my daughter's actually including like, hey, that's your friend Emery. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I was just son, man. He's like, he should be in the NBA draft coming up. Like, uh, we're seeing him. He's like, Six more inches taller. <laughs> we're, we're, we're working on that. He, he's six eight now. He's actually, um, I, I'll be a proud dad and gloat. Uh, he got accepted. He is playing on uh, the same uh, AAU team as Amani Bates. Um, obviously, not at the same age, but he's in that same program. Uh, his first games this weekend, so I'm pretty pumped. You're going to be retiring soon, Jeff. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I need it. I, I work too hard. You work as hard as I do. You, you probably actually work harder than I do because you uh, – Man, you put so much work and effort into it. I, I, I'm fiercely proud to call you a friend and a colleague. So thanks so much for joining us, Henry. I appreciate you, Jeff. Thank you, guys, as thanks. always. And looking forward to getting back to normal so we get back down there. And I can sneak take some of those pics of you walking around with the tank top. <laughs> Emery, we do a thing because I'm, I'm down in, uh, in Tampa area there. Uh, we do our fireside chat broadcast uh, every year. This last year we didn't do it for the Shrine Bowl, but would love to have you buy free drinks, good meal, the whole thing. On all, all set up, you know, can have some fun and hang out and uh, talk some football. Would love to have you buy, and that way that would keep Riz from hogging you the whole time because we can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I, just let me know. I'll be sure to stop by, man. Like I, definitely, you got my word. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thanks so much for Thanks, joining buddy. us, Emery. Have a good one, guys. You too. Cheers. Man. Oh man, what an awesome! I got to tell you, I think I might, I might be in love with Emery. <laughs> he's he's such a genuinely great guy, uh, and, and I, I've I've had the pleasure of working very close with him over the years. I've gotten to know him very well. He is so thorough in his study and what he does. He takes the job very seriously, and that that drives me because I, I, as you know, Chris, I'm not always the easiest person to motivate. I see a guy like that busting his butt, and I'm like, God, I got to keep up with that. Well, so uh, I, n- nothing but love for Emery. Uh, he's been a very good friend and a good good consort for a very long time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can't wait to get uh, some good some good time in with him and you. I think it'll be uh, a whole heck of a lot of fun. I got to tell you though, one of the reasons Riz just can't put that kind of effort in is because he's suffering from pain, anxiety, and insomnia, all of the above. More than you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com because. As our friend, um, oh, God, what's the reggae guy? 
Bob Marley said, first take care ahead. Oh, no, that was sublime, wasn't it? Either way, take care ahead <laughs> first. That's what you want to do. Go to cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com and get yourself some of the ultimate CBD uh, help for pain, anxiety, and insomnia. It's um, sublime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, head on over. You know, get that stuff. It's all good. There's two kinds. I always tell you guys this because, because look, if if it's just the malady, pain, insomnia, or um, anxiety that you're dealing with, go get the regular CBD, and that'll take care of it, and you'll feel great. It's just you'll have a, a relaxed feeling across your body. Um, no buzz. You can go drive your high-low. You can do your stuff. There's no drug test problems that if you have that in your life that you have to deal with, you'll be in good shape. If you're looking for that and more, right, or you're just looking for the more, which I think a lot of people are, you want to go to the Chill Line or Delta 8, um, and they have a, uh, the strongest collection on top of that as well, which is even more. All I get from folks who try that is the, um, <laughs> the reiteration just take one edible the first time, one gummy, and let it go and ride it out, and then you'll know how things should be in the future. People, I just keep I lost a night. I lost a day. I lost a couple hours. I just take the one. Go on over and get the chill or Delta 8 line. That stuff will help you. Remember, though, that that will trip a, a drug test. So that, if that's part of your life, don't go there. We usually tell you to say use the coupon code LIONS to get 55% off, but for the short, short time, Use Ooh. Big Six Five, Big Six Five, Ooh. and you'll get sixty-five percent off of the strongest collection. Now, if you're not getting that, use the Lions and you get the fifty-five percent off because we like to help you out. But Big Six Five gets you sixty-five percent off at cbd.detroitlionspodcast.com. Take care, pain, anxiety, and insomnia, all with one quick stop. I am telling you that stuff will change your life. The better. All right. With that, let's get into um, this is a really interesting draft scenario. And you threw it at me uh, as a topic in the text today, Riz. And I loved it. I loved it because I haven't heard anybody talking about this. We've talked about uh, using picks. You know, oh, we've got Goff. Let's see what Goff does. Let's get him some weapons so we can evaluate him appropriately and then build out the defense. That's kind of what it feels like the strategy should really be for the Lions this year in the draft. We've got two first-round picks next year. We've got two first-round picks the year after. We can we can grab at quarterbacks. Then, if we really think that the Goff experiment isn't working or otherwise, we can really add to the team very quickly and, and, and get a hell of a turnaround very quickly getting those kind of first-round talents. Or this. And this is just – it just kind of – it kind of like, like was a two-by-four in the forehead. What if we take a first-round pick from the coming years and use it to add a pick to this year's draft. What if we what if we use one of the let's say 2020 let's say we use the Rams 2022 first round pick which projects to be in the 20s. Let's say there's a player that's sitting there that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell really really want at let's say number 25 overall. Mm -hmm. Um or or in the in that range, 25 to 32 somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to give up that pick to get into this year's draft and get a player like that, get that extra year on their contract? I, I don't know what position. It could be it could be Aziz Ojulari from Georgia, the pass rusher, who I happen to really like and think would be a great fit. Right. It could be Trevon Morig, the, the safety from TCU, because that's probably he's going to be the first safety off the board. That's probably the range where he's going to come off. Or if you want to make sure that you get a guy like Richie Grant, you trade in the number 32, you get him for that fifth year, um, and you give up this year's first or, or next year's first to get into this year's first. And honestly, that, that, 
the way that this year is structured with, and we've talked about this with all of our guests we've had, how weird it is that they can't scout, that there's less college players um, that they've been able to see, there's less access. Teams are going to be willing to make that kind of move if the Lions want to make that kind of move to get back in. Um, or, or let's say... If they want to do this rebuild on the front end early. Right. If there's a player there that they feel like they really, like, I got to have this guy here. We, we don't think we can get a guy this good next year in this spot with that pick. That so, would be the justification for it. What do you think? Let's start first. You've got, let's call it 25. Yeah. What do you think you're going to get with pick number 25 next year in this year's draft in that trade? What, what's, the, what's the treasure you come back with? So you're, this year you're looking at a, an instant starter, be it at wide receiver, um, let, let's say they, let's say they take Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase at number seven. I think that, I think that's the general consensus of the two most likely players. Do, does that can happen? We, we don't know. But let, let's no, say they get though. a wide receiver good, there. Good, fair assessment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But now you can get, let's say a guy like, like, uh, We're I don't not, think this will happen. Let, let me ask you. We're not getting 25th pick overall with, this year. For a direct exchange for 25th next year. Are we winding up with a, a late second? Where are we going to wind up picking with next year's number 25 overall? Right. And, and that's, and that's where you wonder, you know, are, are you going to be able to buy in or, and my initial hypothesis for this one, I texted it to you was let's say that you have a guy and it's like number 50. Okay. And there's yeah. a guy that you really like. Yeah, sure, sure. And you'll say, Hey, I'll give you our first round pick this year if you give us. 50 and also throw us like a, a third and a sixth this year. And I, I don't know how the trade values work. That's just a hypothetical. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Let's say you, if you, if you want to get a, as you said, a, a jump start now on the rebuild and you like this draft and you like specific players and you want to target one and you don't think that you can get a, an equivalent talent at that spot next year. Would you do that? Let me, would, let me throw is, guys, is a couple guys be, that might be like okay. safety. Safety is a position where you might think about something like that, right? Um, you got Absolutely. Jamar Johnson, who's available probably around that place. Elijah Molden, Richie Grant. I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm working my list here. Those are all guys. Yeah. Maybe uh, Darius Washington from TCU at safety. Is that guy worth that first round pick from next year? Are you that? Right. I, and and it's, it's are you that sold on Goff this year to do that? Right, and and that, that's the thing. And the other thing that is. Do you think that you're going to be bad enough with Jared Goff that if it doesn't work, that you'll be in the top two or three to get the quarterback next year to replace him? Or do you think you're going, that Goff's going to be okay and you're going to be picking around 10 to 12 and you need that other pick to get ammo to make a trade like what Miami did this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, or I'm sorry, what, what San Francisco did this year to move up to get the guy? Yeah. Yeah. No, see, this is there's a lot of moving parts with that. That's a great, great point. Like, are you going to be where's your pick next year that you can you could use to trade that? I I, I guarantee you that Dan Campbell doesn't think that this team's going to be picking seventh overall next year. Mm -hmm. He's thinking we're we're at least, you know, average. We're we're 15. Um, Maybe Brad Holmes will have the reality check on that. I don't know. And or or maybe maybe they do. Maybe they maybe maybe Goff is. Better than we think he is, or, or better than some of us at least think he is. Um, I know there are some golf believers out there. I don't want to diss y'all. Uh, but, I, I'm you know, I'm a believer until I'm disproved. I really am. I'm not. Look, okay. I'm not super high. I think that was a good play to get golf. There's no better quarterback we could have wound up with when we have a quarterback that wants to that. leave. 
And I think that there, it's yet to be seen how much Goff has to offer. If Goff is what we saw, he's not a terrible quarterback. We'll need one. I, I'm thinking two years. I think you get two years out of Goff if he's not showing what you want. If he if he shows up, which I think is a is a, is a complete possibility as as a definitely adequate uh, quarterback that can take you to the playoffs or the Super Bowl because he's done it before. This team yes. can build around him with the guys we want. So I, I, I'm not I'm not out on Goff. I'm not completely in on Goff. I'm just one you know let the science speak. Let me ask you this though, because because here's <laughs> something else. You take next year's first. Maybe you take a later round this year, and you can get up around where we're picking anyway, right? We're, we're in the second right. round. We're around 37 overall, right? We're, we're 41. Okay, 41. So you're, you're thinking about guys, and this is, this is getting my, my, my list. I got like Carlos Basham around there. I got Kadarius Tony around there, a little lower than other people have him. A lot of people have him late first. You got Play, Le- playmaking, playmaking weapon. Yep. You got <laughs> Alex Leatherwood. Remember him? <laughs> Leatherwood for there. Who's, who's just going to, you Big want man. somebody who's going to eat kneecaps. He'll, he'll, he'll yeah. stack them up on a bun and, and go nuts. Right. To have two picks in that, in that area of guys. There are some, there are some, Great offensive lineman. If you if you're one of the people that wants to, to get on the on the the offensive line, one of the guys that, that Emery brought up, Darisaw. Yeah, I, he, he's not he's not going in the top ten, um, and I, Emery knows that. Uh, but but he, he's talking about what he would do there. Right. This is a guy who's going to be in that you know twenty to thirty five overall range. Um, Emery's a believer. I know there are other people that, that believe in him. Um, uh, Brandon Thorne, who does behind the trenches, um, one of, one of the best offensive line evaluators out there, is a big Darisaw fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and for many of the same reasons that Emery did. One of, the, one of the things that I like about him, he compares to me to, an, and this is Lacey to do it because he went to the same school, to Dwayne Brown, who's also a Virginia Tech guy who went in that late 20s range, dramatically outplayed it, was wound up being a much better pro than the guys who were drafted ahead of him that were more touted because he had balance, because he had he had strength, uh, and his footwork was just so good. Um, and I see a lot of parallels with that. So if you don't get Slater or Sewell or Vera Tucker with your first pick and you want to shore up your line for good, you've got a chance to get a guy like that. And a guy like that won't be there next year when right. you're trying to pick that because because you're trying to get your quarterback. Right. You have to get your quarterback. Yeah. So I'm that, just, that, I'm, that's where I came from. And, and so I, I, I'm not sold on doing this. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was an interesting thought exercise to try to play out as something that I, I don't think we talk enough about the potential to trade back in and get more picks in this year's draft. Yeah. If everybody else is trying to get out, it could be a buyer's market. And I, I really like the front end of the second round of this draft. It's just loaded with talent. And to be able to turn something like that, that Rams late first, and maybe, you know, you take it like a later round pick, turn that into a, an early second round pick. There's a lot of good starting talent that you could come away with. I mean, seriously, let, let, I'm just going to pick Waddle because, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Waddle guy, right? right. Yeah. And, and, and we, we definitely need two wide receivers, but God, it's a luxury that we don't have to be able to pick a first overall and then a second rounder, right? We just don't have that. All of a sudden, you throw that pick in there. Again, I'm just going to throw this guy out there. So you get Waddle and Tony, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're still having a second round pick to grab a safety 
or um, a defend an edge player, right? Holy yeah. f! This is this changes the the calculus on this team very very quickly, and the rest of the draft suddenly falls to you, and it's very very easy to go all defense and get starters across the board. Yeah, and uh, you know, like I again, I do, I don't know that I would advocate doing this, but it's certainly <laughs> worth exploring the idea and and seeing what you could do with it, and, yeah. and I. I will guarantee you that, that that Brad Holmes was having these conversations with his people. Is this a is this a path that we want to do? Because that is something that the Rams have done. The Rams were incredibly aggressive at making trades to target specific guys and, and getting rid of first round picks. Right, <laughs> their, their last first round pick is is in Detroit. It's Jared Goff. They don't have one for the next two years either because they're coming to Detroit. Um, when they when they wanted Jalen Ramsey, they went out and they got themselves Jalen Ramsey. They didn't care about the draft. The future draft capital. They viewed future draft capital as a chance to get players now. I they wanted, built, I, I'm one. They did that very well. John Dorsey, when he was at Kansas City as the GM, not as much when he was in Cleveland, um, where, where his draft record was a little spottier, but uh, he was also a guy who, if I see a guy I want, I'm going to maneuver to get him. That, that's how. Kansas City wound up with Patrick Mahomes. Has, <laughs> any, that's, that's, has any player cost a team more first round picks than Jared Goff? I want somebody I to go do so. that. That's that's really interesting. All of a sudden, Wait, right? So, what was the the Herschel Walker trade back in the day? Got down mm. with a, a massive bounty. Okay, all right. But, someone yeah, hit but, us in the comments. Let us know that that's that's an interesting. I mean, how many first round picks Jared Goff? Because they, the team, remember, right? they traded up to get Goff at yeah. number one. They were yeah. they were picking was it fourth, fifth, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so they yeah they engineered a lot of trades. What's that? To, three, to four picks they gave up for him total. I mean to keep to get him and get rid of him. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, it is crazy. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> All right, no. And again, I want to. You make a great point, Riz. I don't want to say that I'm advocating for it, but I'm in this thought experiment stage, right? And this is one of yeah. the things you want to do is you go through the, the through the the draft and think it through. God, what did I, I again? I when I look at the first part of the second round of this draft, I just absolutely love so many names there and so many players, guys. We we saw them at the Senior Bowl. Um, we we reviewed their tape. Just really, really talented guys that could start on day one for this team and make an impact. That's really an interesting thing. Some you know that's I mean that's what the the, the draft is all about: hopes and dreams, right? Isn't that what we're doing here? <laughs> Yes. All right. Um, moving on. There's a fella named Herman Moore. You can just kind of think about that. This goes back to what I was talking about, folks who don't remember the the last playoff win. Herman Moore was an integral part of that and that team back then. What oh, a player! My God, he was great. He was. He was great. So awesome. So fun to watch. And. Really good guy. Still to this day, a good guy. Real savvy businessman. Has a lot going on. But By the way, still looks like he can play too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's 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 fifty one years old, and he still looks like he could still go out there and play. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say his ears haven't shrunk. That's all I know. <laughs> no, they have not. All right, he might have heard that. So there's sorry, sorry. I mean, no, Edit that out. I mean, I mean, it, I mean it. I love you. Yeah, I love you. Um, then there's this talk about Julian Edelman, who has now retired. Taken a windfall of forty-seven billion dollars. I think it was two million, right? And in retirement is a injury out. Um, he's out. He's done. He's gone. He's he's done with the Patriots. He's an obvious Hall of Famer, right, Riz? Uh, I have fought. So I've been quiet about it on social media, <laughs> but I have been seething 
seething that people are touting him as a Hall of Famer. It what? kills me. Why? He's, he's, he's Superman. So, uh, he's I don't mean to disparage. He's no, he's, so, he did so much in when, the playoffs you, that nobody's ever... What's the problem? So he oh, he oh, has oh. been very very good in the playoffs. I will not I will not deny him that he's been great in playoffs. In fact, uh, uh, I'm looking at his stats now. He's 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 among the leaders in everything in playoff stats, <laughs> uh, including games played. That might be a little bit of a tip off as to why he's been so great. <laughs> this is a guy. He never made a Pro Bowl. Never made All Pro. Had let me look at the stats here. I got them up in front of me. Had three seasons in uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, twelve years. Um, oh, he, so he came in in two thousand nine with Stafford. No. Three seasons of one thousand yards receiving. His career high in receiving yards was eleven seventeen with six touchdowns. That was in two thousand nineteen. Uh, he had one hundred catches that year. Um, one of two years where he caught one hundred passes. If people are touting him. With those meager numbers for the Hall of Fame, why the hell not Herman Moore? And let me take you back to 1995. From 1995 to 1997, Herman Moore had one of the greatest three-year spans of any player at any position in NFL history. Say that one more time because, again, there's a lot of people that weren't around that, that didn't experience the, the Herman Moore years. Say that last sentence one more time because I think people really, really need to let that sink in. From 1995 to 1997, Herman Moore had one of the best three-year periods in NFL history of any player at any position. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's a, that's those are some big words there, right? So, so in in those years, <laughs> let me go. I'll go year by year. 1995, 123 catches, 1686 yards, 14 touchdowns. That's what Scott Mitchell is his quarterback, by the way. Mm-hmm. 1996. 106 catches, 1,296 yards, nine touchdowns. 97, 104 catches, but that led the league, 1,293 yards and eight touchdowns. Those are phenomenal numbers. Now, now, granted, this this was the height of the pass-happy 90s, the, the run and shoot and all that. Um, so there were a lot of guys that were putting up pretty high numbers. But Herman led the league in receptions in 1995 and 1997. Over that three-year period, only one other player had more yards than him. Only one other player had more touchdowns than him. That's an incredible three-year peak. He was a first-team All-Pro all three years. Edelman never did squadouche compared to that in the regular season. Now you're going to go, oh, but what did Herman do in the playoffs? Well, he, he, he I don't even, th- I actually don't think he played in the playoff game that they won. Um, that was his rookie year in 1991. Yeah, I thought he played, but I'm, I could be wrong. Oh, 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 you know what he did? So I'm looking at <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking it was, it was the next year where he uh, he he wasn't so good. First first playoff game of his career, 10 catches, 156 yards, and a touchdown in a Lions playoff win. <sighs> 1995, seven catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown in a Lions playoff loss. I mean, that... that, that that's showing up when he had a chance to do it. Yeah. And again, um, he never had Tom Brady. He never even had Brian Hoyer throwing him passes. Yeah. <laughs> in Detroit. Scott Mitchell, I, record holder, former record holder, Lions record holder, Scott Mitchell, right? I mean, if you want to. I, 
dog out of position. People say, oh, draft, 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 draft any old quarterback, right? They don't remember all those, the Scott Mitchell years oh being the best God. years in, in decades for this team yes. at quarterback. They, people, I, I uh, how quickly we forget. Um, and maybe I'm more acute to that because I, I covered the Texans between when they had Matt Schaub at his prime and when they got Deshaun Watson. That's a team that wins at least one Super Bowl if they have even an average quarterback, but they didn't. This is why this is why I'm not out on golf the way a lot of people are. Because I remember those years. I lived those years. I ate dirt. Well, go- golf is so years. much better than the Tom Savages and Brock Osweilers of the world. Well, better than the Joey Harringtons and, yes. the, and the Chuck Longs and the and Rodney Chuck Peets Long. and the, all these guys that we had forever. I mean, Andre people, Ware. people just oh know God. Matthew Stafford and are spoiled and don't understand how hard it is to get a quarterback in the NFL. And, and particularly, it seems, for the Lions. Jared Goff is a perfectly acceptable, functional, good enough quarterback to get your team to where it needs to be. If he fails, that's fine. We'll do something with it. But to be out on him so fast, you people don't know what it's like. This is or worse you don't than having Nate Freeze as your kicker. don't remember how bad it was. Yeah. This is, yes, this that's is a great Nate analogy. Freeze after Jason Hansen. If you, yeah. if you walk away from Goff right now. I'm just telling you. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So, so it, it frustrates me that Herman, Herman Moore doesn't get more. Hall of Fame run, um, and and sadly, there's actually a, a couple of other wide receivers, uh, most notably Jimmy Smith, who who deserve it even more than Herman does, um, and they're getting like, you know, they can't catch a cold. But Julian Edelman, the guy with with six thousand eight hundred twenty two career receiving yards, um, seventy seven, oh, is it thirty six career touchdowns? So let me let me look where those rank in the career. He is career. He's one hundred fifty sixth in receiving yards. He is 75th in career receptions. Um, career receiving yards per game, he's 196th. <laughs> can, can, can I just say it's, it's, it's recency bias? Well, and, and, so, and a lot of it is, is playoff bias. Yeah. If, you're, if you're that heavily dependent on the playoffs, uh, you must think that, that Robert Ori is the greatest basketball player ever. The guy won seven rings. Was he was he a key figure on those teams? Was he the best player? He wasn't even the third best player on any of those teams. That's that's where Edelman is at. He was a good good player. I don't want to disparage him because he, he, he he's a very good player, but he's not this. Like I, I went to Canton this summer, Chris, and I, I walked around and I looked at all these names. Oh my God, these 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 guys are heroes. These guys are, you know, wow. Yeah. Did anybody ever look at Julian Edelman and think? Wow, that guy's got to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if, if he played in Detroit and not New England, would, would he even like? Would people even think? Oh, I don't know. Should they maybe you know have a Julian Edelman day? You know, maybe maybe give him a nice you know uh, uh, extra gravy on a pasty at the at the, at the concession stand. I mean, that, that that's the kind of career he had. He, he's he's not. He was not as good as Herman Moore, and it bothers me a lot that he's getting run like that. And again, Her- Herman, to me, Herman is a marginal Hall of Fame candidate. I think he's going to have to get in. Well, I, I know he's going to have to get in with the uh, the Veterans Committee at some point because he just, he just doesn't have that cachet. Um, right. There's a lot of wide receivers that, that have more cachet that, that still aren't getting in. But the, I, it, it really bugged me that Edelman's getting all this run, and, and I wanted to give Herman Moore some love because he was a fantastic player whose peak was a hell of a lot better 
<laughs> that Julian Edelman. His, his peak was a hell of a lot better than just about anybody else's. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, by, for injury and for, for quarterback play and for a, a, a changing offense and coaching staff that, that didn't necessarily play to his strengths, his peak wasn't long enough. But, yeah. uh, so I, I, I salute you, Herman Moore. You've always been one of my favorite Lions, and you will continue to be so, and I will continue to pimp for you whenever I get a chance to do that. I, I, and I don't disagree, uh, but I, I can't. I can't look past those years. All right. Love you, Herman. I mean it. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, get into a uh, question. We had a request. Um, oh, God. Before I do it, I have to tell folks it's time. We're coming up on the draft. We've got our big draft stravaganza coming up next week on the 19th. We got the Schlitt. We got the Bischoff. We got the Riz. We got you know me there as the kind host. We're doing our consensus draft. It's a great event. Had a great time doing it last year. It will be live Absolutely. on the tube, and we'll also have an audio version together for everybody. So um, it's it's the experts of the land all coming together. We're gonna we're looking for one other person. We're gonna try to put together to get this together. But it's a great show. Be sure to tune in on the nineteenth. We're looking at about six thirty to get that to go. So that's getting ready ahead of the draft. Of course, at the draft, we'll have live show for round one and rounds two and three. The first two days of the draft, Sam and I will be there live hosting the draft party. Uh, everybody who's in the Patreon Slack, we're going to have a big call and uh, reaction uh, for them on the show. You'll see their videos as they react to the picks. Riz will also be checking in during the, the draft to uh, talk about what's going on. So there'll be a lot of good stuff there. And uh, just a lot of stuff coming up here as we get ready for the big draft coming up NFL style and Detroit Lions podcast style. It is the annual. What is this? The fourth annual draft party. This is crazy. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is crazy stuff. Got good stuff coming. You guys will enjoy it. So don't miss that. Also, uh, as you get your draft guys in, get to fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com so that you can hook yourself up with the, the latest Lions gear. Show off your, your beautiful Lions support around town also go to amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com before you go shopping uh, everyone's going to amazon and you should go to amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com no funny stuff it'll take you right to the site and you can go there and help the podcast out by doing something you were going to do anyway by shopping at amazon.detroitlionspodcast.com all right a couple uh, we had a request on the reddit from uh, a, a dashing young fella uh, who goes by the name b ziski I think you know, I'm doing my best as I could. He asks us, he wants us to talk about some <laughs> later round guys, and we are definitely going to go into some later round uh, picks and thinking on the Lions. But he had put a couple guys together, um, specific that he, specifically that he was interested in. And I said, hey, you know what? let's just let's just kind of grab at those guys and talk about them really quickly here on the right. show this week. Now, the first one, Riz, I don't have a lot on him either, and I think you said you don't. Did you find anything? Reed Blankenship. Um, a a uh what's it called he's oh, where was he from uh middle tennessee state i think and uh, i don't have a whole lot on him he says he kind of reminds him of tyler taylor rap a little bit wow that's yeah i i i am aware of who he is but i haven't i can't say that i've watched enough of him to have a good opinion on it sure. so uh, okay well, let's go to some of the guys we know garrett wallow linebacker uh from the horned frogs tcu that's right um I'll, I'll just kind of hit really quick what I got on him. Um, a lot of leverage, right? Uh, loves contact. Um, he's not he's, supersized. If, and he, he yeah. he's a little small. That's the same thing that Devonta Smith. For a linebacker, he's a little bit small. What, do you, what are your, your thoughts on Garrett? He fits the kneecap-biting component very well. Um, he, he went to TCU. He was a safety. You can see that in the way he plays. He does have... 
some coverage instincts, but he's a he's he's pretty tight. Um, one of the reasons why they moved him forward was because they had a lot better athletes playing behind him at safety. He's a, he's a guy that's going to have to make it on special teams. Uh, you know, he's I, I think he's going to get drafted probably sixth or seventh round. He did not test great. Uh, he, he's a between the tackles guy. Uh, he's actually um, the way he plays, the way he tests is somewhat similar to Jelani Tavai. I don't want to to poison the the well with it's that. It's so funny. He, he's like a smaller version of Tavai. That's what I was thinking. Same exact yeah. same thing. Um, now, now he does. To his credit, he has better eyes and better, quicker reactions in coverage. Um, there's one of the games, and I just watched some TCU stuff because I want to get get up on uh, a little safety Washington. Um, he played really well, and I, it wasn't SMU. It was one of their other games, uh, but he had a really, really good game in terms of like like chucking the tight end as he went out, or or getting in the way of the slot and not letting him get a clean release. And those are little subtleties that uh, that the Lions coaches will appreciate. It, it shows that this is a smart, solid football player, you know, a guy who understands. You're frustrated with with Lions not being able to tackle in space. When Wallow can get to the guy, they're going down. Yeah, yeah, and and he, I mean, I see him as like a sixth roundish kind of pick. I mean, he's a late round guy, um, not the guy I'm building my defense around. Very no. much like to. I mean, you, you, here's the guy. I mean, this is here's the hard part about picking this guy. You've already got Jelani Tavai. Where does this guy? I mean, right? How do you utilize this guy? And as he he's barely an incremental. Upgrade, right? I don't know yeah. that he's. Oh, and, he's, and you're he's betting certainly on it. fast. He's he's faster than Tavai, sure. um, and and it really shows in short area quickness, um, long speed. Again, his forty time doesn't really matter because if your linebacker is running forty yards, it's, it's probably not his fault right, right. on the play. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but like he can like if he sees that the route is going to be there for a tight end on a hook on a hook. He's going to close faster than Tavai. He's going to close on the ball and reliably terminate the, the football play. But 13 the next tackles in 2020, 17 in 2019, and 2018. Ooh, yeah. You know what? And I, I, watch, a, I watch a great deal of TCU football. My son's a, a football a, a Frogs fan. So uh, I don't recall him making, like, game-killing yep. misses. But He's a late-round he, pick, right? And, and that's, Yeah, he that, is. That's and, where and, my head's at is, like, if – I've already got a late round pick style linebacker in, t- in t- Tavai. I'm not trying to be a jerk here, right? I'm I'm just not sure that this is where I want to invest because I'm not upgrading the position. Why don't I use the pick somewhere where I'm going to find a market difference in, in the value that I get? That's kind of where my yeah. head's at. And what, so one of the things that we're going to learn this year is what is Brad Holmes' philosophy on day three of the draft? Is he a guy who's going to take athletic projects who are raw? Is he going to be a guy who goes to power five schools um, and takes, um, this is how the Lions wound up with Jay Sean Cornell last year. Right. Um, takes a guy who, who didn't necessarily play a lot or wasn't a feature performer and might be one of those proverbial better pros than college guys, but didn't also show a lot in college to get on the field at those big programs. Quinn leaned much more towards those guys and, and also did that with the undrafted free agent class that, or, well, I, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reverse that. Quinn did a decent job of finding those kind of guys. Patricia and his staff 
A, didn't develop them well, and B, didn't play them and give them the opportunity to show what they could do. Right. Um, there's like, like Bobby Price on this roster is an athletic freak. He's from, I think, Norfolk State. Um, he's a guy that, that fits that bill. Um, and, and props on Quinn and the scouting staff for finding that guy. But, you know, he needs, he's a guy that needs to get a chance. You know, Emery talked about, you know, the undrafted free agents, the late round guys. Uh, they, they need a chance. He's a guy like that that, you know, hopefully he gets a shot to prove what he can do. You know, they, they've had guys like, well, remember Jerome Copeland, the Osprey? Oh, um, yeah. Back, back a few years. <laughs> you know, is that the kind of guy that, that, uh, that Holmes is going to target? Or is he going to go more after the, the lower ceiling, higher, higher floor guys that can contribute right away on special teams and maybe be, your fourth cornerback or your third running back and, and maybe your return man. We don't know how he's going to do that yet. Quite honestly, John Dorsey was wildly inconsistent in, in his draft methods in that particular realm. Uh, and, and the Rams, who knows what they were doing. They yeah. traded away picks if they want to guys. So, so th- that's one of the things that we're going to learn. If they're looking for a solid, higher floor, lower ceiling guy that can steadily play for you, and be a reserve and be versatile like that. Waldo is a guy that they will look at. Yep. All right, we'll move on to a guy who folks, a lot of folks are going to know about, I think, or at least remember. Ambry Thomas, cornerback from the Michigan Wolverines. Um, have him projected, another one projected kind of late as a cornerback. Um, guy's got some speed. He didn't play in 2020. Um, That's right. He opted out. Yep, he opted out, and so we missed out on on probably what would have been a very definitive year for him, and helped him a lot in uh, in his ability to get to the the pro game. Um, biggest strength, right? He's fast. He's fast. He's got he's he, got burners. He's, he, right? he's six feet tall, and he can fly um, for his size. He's 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 long. He's got long arms. But he, he also can turn and run and his transition from, from, you know, Michigan had him play a lot of press, press bail. And that's, that's one of the big things, right? That's so good for, for him in the pros to have played that and done that. That really just helps him project actually, well, right? It's a, it's a better fit for Patricia, honestly, because that's what yeah. he had them do, yeah. except they didn't actually press. Yeah. Uh, but but one of the things, remember when Omani Oruwari was at the Combine and everybody was like, oh, my God, look at his hip flip when yeah. he was doing the, the little drill? Yeah, I love a hip flip. Th- Thomas can do that for a big guy, too. Mm-hmm. And so that's certainly appealing. Well, he's he, a big guy, but he's only 183 pounds. Like he's, yeah. He's, he's got the same problem that Devonta Smith has, right? Devonta Smith has in that – He's a big guy, but he's a little fella. <laughs> right. But, but, and, and with Thomas, I don't think he knows that he's not a big guy. Exactly. He, he plays more physical and bigger, um, which could be a, it can be a plus and it can be a minus. Until he gets thrown uh, around by a big receiver. Right. Right. Let, let's, let, let's see you try to be big against Michael Thomas or Julio Jones. Thank you. Yep. Or, exactly. or, or Kenny Galladay. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- th- there's going to be a significant discrepancy there that he didn't face when he was at Michigan very often. Yep. And that's going to be tough for him. And but, here's, uh, here's, I-, I liked him. I liked him. I didn't love him. Okay. I'm going to say one other detriment to him. And I, I'm not trying to be negative, right? But he only had 57 targets in his entire career. So his 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 ball of work, right? His uh yeah. The what you see, what you see from him is extremely limited, and have after having twenty twenty off, no combine. None of that. I mean, this 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 makes him a a risky pick. Obviously, a late rounder. Um, 
Again, I look at my corners. I feel like I'm okay as a Lions team. And I'm going to look somewhere else that I'm going to get more value that I could probably use more. I I would so I think he's going to go fourth round probably, um, maybe early fifth. I I don't think he's going to fall that far because there is quite a bit of potential there. Yeah, you're Um, right. You're right. I'm looking at my thing. um, So so he's um, I don't have my my exact big board done yet. I want to say he's in the 100 to 120 overall range for me. He might actually be a little bit higher than that, like 97, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I got him. So, so that, that's like the end of the third, early fourth round. Um, so if he's there in the fourth round, yeah, you got to consider taking him. Um, he, he is, he is an outside corner only. He's not going to be a guy that converts to safety. He just doesn't have the mass to do it. Mm-hmm. So you are looking at, at somewhat limited there. If you're, if you're looking for a guy that can maybe, Play outside, play inside. Maybe um, if it doesn't work at corner because he's just not quick enough, maybe drop back and, and play safety, add five pounds, um, which is fairly common in that range of the draft. He's not that guy. No, but I, I have him at, at 125. And here's here, it's okay. even worse the way I look at it. At fourth round range, right, I want a guy that has a better chance of contributing. I've got our Warrior. I've got um, Okuda. I've got guys signed. I, I don't know that this guy is going to break that starting rotation where I look at number four, you're on the edge of I want a starter, right? You're One, two, and three, you, you should be looking at starting players, especially if you're the Detroit Lions, right? Four, you yeah. really want to pull a starter out of it. I don't know that quarterback is the position. Cornerback is the position to go for at that point. That's just, that's, that's just me, right? I mean... Uh, Holmes and team might see it differently, but the higher up the draft I get, and I and I had mislooked at where I had him earlier. Um, the higher up the draft I get, the less I'm likely to take a cornerback that isn't necessarily going to unseat one of my existing guys. Yeah, and you're, I'm with you on that because you're, you're looking at we don't have a lot of depth. I get that. Yeah, um, but at, at the same point. You can take a guy in the fourth round next year who might be able to do the same thing if you figure out that Oruwari isn't the answer or, you know, Okuda just doesn't work out. Then you're probably going to need to take one higher than that. Yeah. um, um, I I would certainly consider him. I I like what I saw. I've actually seen him play in person a couple of times. Uh, He played really, really well. uh, It was the Maryland game uh, a couple of years ago at Michigan. So uh, I, I, I I I know that I have positive notes about him. Uh, he's he's a guy that I would I would consider uh, okay. with with the fourth round pick. I will respectfully disagree. <laughs> there you go. We're I, allowed to do that. I, my mind can be changed. That's the one thing about I I, I am willing to look at things and, and think differently in the future. I do want to say I don't think differently about patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast, the best place to support the podcast. Get yourself on the broadcast for the live draft party and have access to our wonderful Slack chat, the uh, insider Slack chat with uh, our chat with uh, Riz and me and Case and all the folks. We're all in there hanging out. Great, great group of people. Um, if you want to talk Lions in, a, in I don't want to call it a safe space, but a place where people are treated with respect, unlike the rest of the Internet, that's the place to be. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. As little as a dollar a month gets you involved. And with that, we're going to call it a show. Rizden, thank you for your time and uh, putting up with the, the technical stuff this week. It's been uh, appreciated. Uh, make sure we to follow will, us on Twitter at DET. We will Lions. fix that for next week Absolutely. so you can see our beautiful faces again. Absolutely. 
in 3080 ray tracing spectacularism. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast. DET Lions no, Podcast. <laughs> Very best place to be pants free. Also at Jeff Risden. Give him a follow. Make sure you get in there at Jeff Risden. And give us a call via Skype at Detroit Lions Podcast. All one word Detroit Lions Podcast. Or call us on the Lions line at 929 33 Lions. 929-335-4667 and be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com subscribe to the podcast so we can do the thing that Riz loves the most which is I want to come in your ear holes automatically thank you for tuning in we'll see you next time on the Detroit Lions Podcast remember no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs no problems baby because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection final seconds winding down and look at that how Big is that? Chris and Case out of time. Pack the bag, start the plane. This show is over. You've had enough of that shit.